So in the book of Malachi, it's a time where there has been a, a decline in real, vibrant, spiritual life. There's still religion, and uh, may God keep us from mere religion. What we seek is reality, uh, an encounter with the living God. We're aiming for that day by day. In my quiet times, when I open the Bible and uh, pray, what's my aim? It can never be just to read the next section or to go through a list. I might go through a section. I might pray through a list. But what's the aim? It is to encounter the living God. This is vibrant, real Christianity. It's a relationship with the living God. Uh, and when we come to church together, Wait, why am I here tonight? Well, I suppose I'm here for the obvious reason. If I wasn't here, you'd know I wasn't here, and I don't know what the elders would be doing, but uh, somebody would be standing here in the pulpit. But I hope it's for more reason than that that I'm here. Uh, and why are you sat in the pews uh, tonight? Well, we always come, and it's our, our duty to be here. And if Christianity is merely a duty, that's hard work. That's hard work. But if, as is promised, God were to meet with us in reality, what a transformation, what a difference, then there wouldn't be a question, should I go once or twice on a Sunday? God is here. God is here. Now we can use quite glibly where two or three meet together uh, in his name. Uh, there am I in the midst, says the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great reality here. And that picture in Revelation of uh, the one walking among the seven golden lampstands, it's a picture of that great reality. When the local church meet together, there's something very special, something very extraordinary. We need to pray for that constantly, lest we lose touch with the living God. And we begin that steady decline, uh, and we wonder whatever happened. But it happened here in Malachi's time. Oh, there were some little lights shining. There's Malachi, and he saw the problem. And he's speaking about the problem. I don't know who was listening uh, to him. But the decline was there. And the drift became a gulf. And there was mere formality left. And people found religion and temple worship really, really tiresome. They had drifted from reality. And God calls it treachery. They're dealing treacherously with him. They're, there is a faithlessness towards God, primarily, and therefore that translated into a, a faithlessness with each other. So here's a test. Do I really love God? How do we treat each other? You know, as Christians, in a local church, is there something really gripping about our relationships with each other? Uh, maybe if anyone's here for the first time uh, tonight, maybe somebody is just is drawn in and they haven't been to a church before. Do they find something really quite extraordinary taking place here? Not only that we claim to be having this uh, communication with God, it's a two-way thing, we're offering praise, He's speaking to us, but the very way we conduct ourselves with each other. And not only on a Sunday, but week in and week out. Do we see one another's good 
for the sake of the Lord our God. I will seek your good. It wasn't happening in Malachi's time. And because they were treacherous with God, they were treacherous with each other generally. But there is a particular problem. We've been looking at, at this in Malachi chapter 2. Uh, a problem in their marriages. They were weak, they were fickle, they were faithless. The men were treacherous towards their wives. There was divorce. There was remarriage, and not remarriage just to anybody, but uh, younger models from foreign countries. They were divorcing their middle-aged wives, perhaps, and marrying young brides from foreign nations around about. They were breaking the marriage covenant, and it was causing great, great pain within families, you know, when divorces take place, there are great casualties. The wider family, particularly the children uh, who are involved. In Malachi 2 and verse 15 here. But did he, that's God, not make them one? Having a remnant of the, the Spirit, the Spirit working with them. Uh, and why one? Why did God make them one? He seeks godly offspring. He wants godly children. And that wonderful situation where a, a, a godly husband and a godly wife bringing up children, the fear and admonition of, of the Lord. But where there's strife, what are the children seeing? For this, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, that he covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously, uh, violence and pain, families torn asunder and children being casualties. Now, next time I preach from Malachi, again, this little spin-off uh, series of Elix Wright to, uh, to deal with the whole issue of bringing up children. And um, I think that should be helpful, a helpful reminder to me at my stage of life. I've certainly got lots of grandchildren. And I dug this book out uh, Yesterday, I've read it before, but I started reading again. I've gone through the first three chapters, and it's, it's really, really excellent. Uh, Parenting by Paul David Tripp. Parenting from a gospel perspective. He puts the gospel first, and in the light of all that Christ has done for us and what we are in Christ, how should we raise our children? I think you'd really benefit if you have children, you're planning to have children, if you have grandchildren, then besiege the bookshop and uh, I'm sure Rob will get lots of copies in and uh, Parenting by Paul David Tripp. But well, that's for a future uh, occasion. Now, last time then, we looked at what is marriage and saw the glorious position the Bible gives to one man, one woman in a lifelong commitment before, before God. But as I said, Looking through the membership book, and I did count, and I think I've got it right, it's around about 35% of the current membership uh, who are single currently. So I want to think about the gift of singleness uh, and what it is and how it is exercised, its uh, advantages and its disadvantages. Uh, I found this little book very helpful. I've read other things as well. It's by Sam Albury. We got this in the bookshop. We've got this one. Do we have this one currently? Oh, we got this one as well. So if you get there quickly, both are in. But this is Seven Myths About Singleness by Sam 
Albury. You might find that helpful. I'm sure you'll find it helpful uh, to read as well. So then, singleness. From 1 Corinthians chapter 7, again, clearly the folks in Corinth have written to Paul and asked him a number of questions. And he is responding now to the questions that they've been putting to him. And uh, clearly they've asked about marriage, they've asked about divorce, they've asked about remarriage, uh, they've asked about immorality, they've asked about singleness. And so Paul is beginning to open up this particular subject. And uh, clearly as a single man, he's uh, playing up the, the virtues of being single. Paul was a single man and so was able to achieve under the hand of God, incredible things. Things which, if he had a wife and children, as the Apostle Peter had, uh, certainly had a, a, a believing wife, uh, could Paul have reached the heights of service to the Lord Jesus Christ that he did if he had been a married man? Well, Paul's convinced that he couldn't. And so he's saying, I'd rather you were as I am. But each has his own gift. Uh, one a gift of singleness, one a gift of, of marriage. But he says, uh, now concerning the things about which you wrote to me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. It's good for him not to be married. It's good for him not to uh, kindle the fire. Uh, hapto, this, this Greek word, not to touch uh, a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, and it was rife in Corinth, and it's certainly rife in Cardiff. I mean, what moral standards are there? If you go out proclaiming to the world moral standards, it's not the job of the church to declare moral standards to the world. We declare them to the church, but not, not to the world. They would laugh us to derision. There is no standard out there. But here's the problem. The church can be impinged and affected by the immorality in the world around and about us. And sadly, it's what we see in many, many cases. May God uh, preserve us. And he gives a little cameo of marriage and responsibilities of husbands to wives and wives uh, to, to husbands. And then he says in verse 7, I wish that all men were as I am. And Paul is, is single. Clearly he's speaking about his singleness where he goes on to say, um, but each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner, another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it's good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. So one has this gift, one has another gift. Paul says, I wish all men were as I am. Paul says, I find my singleness liberating. But each has his own gift. One has this gift, one has another. There is a gift of singleness. So what about this gift? The gift of singleness. Singleness is a gift. Uh, marriage is also a gift. Ask a question at this point. Do you, as a Christian, at this moment, have the gift of singleness? There's an easy answer to that. Are you single? If you answer yes, then from the Lord, if you're a Christian right now, you do have the gift of singleness. 
You see, there's an error here that creeps into the thinking of many. Or oh, the gift of singleness must be some supernatural power, a spiritual gift whereby uh, power is imparted to me to live contentedly uh, and serenely in some sort of a singleness uh, bubble. That's not the biblical view of the gift of singleness. The gift of singleness, rather, is a providential gift of status. It's the state in which I am. It is the position I'm given from God at this particular moment. It's from God, it's for you, it's for now. It's a status. The gift of singleness is not a supernatural spiritual gift that helps you to live serenely in a bubble. Some say, well, I don't have the gift of singleness because I desire to be married, so I don't have this gift. That's not the Bible's teaching. As a single person, you have the gift of singleness. You might still desire to be married. At some future stage, you might well be married. It could also be, conversely, you're within a marriage, and sadly you're thinking, I, I wish I was single. But that is not your status. Your status is, is married. And all needful grace is given in each situation. So the gift is a matter of status from God to you for now. That status of providence can and does for many change. I'm reminded of a, a great missionary called James O. Fraser. And I read of him in my uh, late 20s, maybe it's my early 30s. Uh, and James Fraser went as a missionary to the Lisu people and spent many, many fruitless, seemingly fruitless years there, touring around the mountainous area, visiting tribes, looking to communicate uh, the gospel. After 10 years of little obvious fruit, he decided he would offer himself to go back home to Mission HQ and maybe look for another field of service. But on his last tour around the tribes, God sent a, a wonderful blessing. And many, many were converted. And he spent many more years there. At the age of 52, he, uh, he returned home. And uh, in his mid-50s, uh, he did marry. And uh, it was a lady from the mission uh, station where uh, he was based. So James Fraser had that gift of singleness. Now it released him to do all those tours, the mountainous areas and tour around and give himself. On his return, he left that uh, state of singleness and entered a state of being married. For me, there was a time when uh, I was... Uh, single. I had the gift of singleness up to the age of 23. What about, what about you? There's the gift of singleness. The first point then, it's a gift of status. And whether I'm married or I'm single, I'll need the second point. The grace of singleness or the grace of marriage. In order for any gift to be exercised and used well, we need grace and power from God the Holy Spirit. If we are going to serve in any sphere that he's called us to, to be in any particular state, we need grace 
from the living God. And so we think now about the grace of singleness. Is being single easy? If you're single tonight, put the question to you, do you find it easy? And the answer ought to be no. And because of that reason, grace is needed. Thank God, grace is given. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. And we ask Him for strength and we come before Him. Is singleness easy? No, it's not. It's a battle. And it's a battle all the way. I ask another question to those who are married. And my wife's here listening and she might answer in her own heart, is marriage easy? Well, of course it's not easy. Of course it's not easy. We need the grace of God. Now listen to this in Matthew chapter 19. Some words which really shocked the disciples as Jesus spoke to them. They've been asking him about divorce and Jesus says, uh, no, a man should not divorce his wife. What about the certificate of divorce that, uh, that Moses uh, uh, permitted us to, to, to have? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Here's a concession. Things were so bad. Wives were being treated so badly and then just dismissed. That will not, cannot be. And so God says to Moses, at least, let it be done formally. There will be a certificate of divorce that frees that woman. And there's no blame uh, on, on her. But it was not so from the beginning. And I say, says Jesus, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. The disciples are shocked, and they said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. If I'm shackled to a woman for the rest of my life, it's better not to marry. That's the level of marriage that was going around at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, where divorces were pretty easy from one sect of the, the Pharisees. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. See, there is, a, there is a gift and there is a power and there is an ability. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. They're never going to marry. There's been a, a, an issue at birth. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by the hands of, of men. Sadly, that happened in the past and in parts of the world would still happen today. And, uh, but some have made themselves eunuchs, not by any operation, but they've just made a decision. For the kingdom of heaven's sake, they've decided to remain unmarried. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. The point being made here is this. On both sides, is singleness easy? No, we need the grace of God. Is marriage easy? No, we need the grace of God. And if you're struggling tonight in your marriages, my friends, seek help primarily from the Lord himself. Cry out to him. He hates divorce. Your children will suffer. And there is power. Prove God in this. There is power. 
to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And wives, there is power to love your husbands. There is power, power, wonder-working power. And if you're finding it hard being single and there's nobody obvious and no desiring your heart, and you're not drawn to anyone, somebody's not drawn to you, and you're finding it tough, ask him. Ask him, be honest, and he will. There's grace. There's grace. And when it comes to singleness or marriage, which is easier? And you know, my friends, the grass is always greener on the other side. Both have their blessings. Now, we've got some recently married folks around, we've got some prospective marriages before us. Which is better? Well, the grass is always greener, it seems, on the, the other side. Both have their blessings and both have their difficulties. And we need to consider each other, those who are married, to consider the singles, those who are single, uh, to consider the marriage. And we're all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's think about, uh, to, to conclude, uh, some of the blessings of being single and some of the, the difficulties. So first of all, and Paul would highlight these and does highlight these. The blessings of that gift of singleness uh, are obvious in this area, the area of freedom, that I am free from distractions to focus fully on the things of Christ without the distractions of family life, but to use the means of grace freely that he's given to me without any impingement from a, a, a wife or family difficulty. So Paul was, was single, and he was able, and you will be able to make choices with greater freedom. So I've mentioned James Fraser, able to go to the Lisu people. There's um, a girl who came to the, a lady, came to the meeting last, last night. You wouldn't mind me mentioning her. But uh, she's in her 40s now, and she went as a missionary to Brazil and spent 10 years in the city of Belém and has now come back to Cardiff and is serving the Lord amongst the homeless in the city of Cardiff. And I hope she'll be able to come here before too long and speak about the work. It's a thrilling work she's doing in the city of Cardiff, uh, but she's free. She's free to do those things. There's, there's no, there are no uh, demanding Ties. So here is what Paul has to say, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 34. There is a difference between a wife and a single person. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Freedom. A very mundane level. If you're single, I, I'd like to go on holiday to Rome. I don't have to consult my wife. I just ring up, I get the flight, my passport's ready, and, and off I go. Now, if you have a wife who uh, really loves the beach, she doesn't want to go to Rome, but you're, you're free. You, you can make that decision. There's no, it's cheaper. It's cheaper going to Rome by yourself than taking a wife and four children. You can actually visit the things you want to visit uh, without the burden of the, the children. Ah, I don't, I'm tired, I don't want to go. And, uh, uh, no, it's, it's much, much 
simpler on, on a very mundane, everyday level. Uh, if, if as a single person uh, you desire to use the means of grace to come on a Wednesday evening, you can just come on a Wednesday evening. There's no restriction from family, but if you are married and have four children, I remember growing, uh, our children growing up in London, then coming here to work with, with the Heath, Wednesday night, well, whose turn is it? And uh, one would go and one stayed at home. Now there's the option of being online as well. But I'm really hoping that online is not an excuse. Much better to be here, wherever we can be to be here. If you're online at home tonight, may the Lord bless you. But if you could be here, you should have been here. You, we miss you. I'm sure the Lord blesses if you're at home online in the same way he blesses us. Unless you could have been here. And I think increasingly you're going to miss out by being at home. If you can be here, then to be here. Not to be silly about it. It's wise to stay at home at times. But if you can be here, to be here. I know a family in St. Melanie just had their fourth child. So the kiddies are four boys, nine, five, three, and two months. Very difficult to get out to an evening service. Uh, pressures of, of work. Mum is a stay-home mum. Dad is working really hard to keep the family, make ends meet. And, and the demands of the children. Not if you're single. It's a simple choice. Do I want to be there? Then generally you can be there. The use of your home, you're free to use it as you will. I have to consult with Jill. Uh, should we invite so-and-so around? No, we don't want to invite... No, she wouldn't say that. But uh, No, well, how about so-and-so? Well, uh, oh, we had so-and-so and there's a bit of a debate going on. But if you're single... I mean, I, we had a wonderful, let me recommend the cuisine of Fiona Stewart. We were there uh, this afternoon. We didn't, I didn't have locusts and wild honey. We had uh, a lovely roast uh, dinner and a wonderful pudding uh, to follow. But uh, Fiona didn't have to consult anybody, I don't think. You just invited us. We said, yes, please. And uh, uh, along we came. Use of time and, and witnessing uh, freedom that being single brings to make decisions. Freedom, says Paul, from the extra anxiety and cares that come from family life. Verse 32. I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please him. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. The two become one. And the problems of both become the problems of the combined. And then children are added to it. And the problems and difficulties increase in, in this way. The wife is unwell. The husband is burdened about that. Taking maybe time off work to care for the wife. The children and bringing up children. How many infections can they get? And it goes from one to the other and then comes to the parents and back to the kids. And uh, serious illnesses when, when they come and the heartache and the difficulties. And as the children get older, they used to come to church and then that time of disaffection and they don't want to come and the, the battles and eventually 
They have their own heads, and at the right age, they're told, well, you can make your choice. But the heartaches that come from that, maybe then desertion, a wife leaves the marriage, or a husband leaves the marriage, the heartache and the pain, the children turning against their parents, perhaps, death that comes to a partner and to a child. Oh, says Paul, I'd rather you were freed from these difficulties. But the single person, the single person doesn't have those additional pressures and anxieties upon them. The Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect man, of course, was a single man. And for 33 years, he, he lived here. And he was a single man. And he was male. And he would have had desires in the same way that any man has. He was tempted in every way as we are, and yet without sin. And he fulfilled his earthly pilgrimage and ministry as a single man. Yes, there are many blessings of singleness, but there are also difficulties. Let's uh, come on to that now. I suppose the flip side of freedom is, is freedom, that it brings a certain level of loneliness that uh, I, I don't have. There are times at which oh, I, I could do with a, just a little time of peace, just some time to myself, but I'm soon fed up with that. I soon want the company again. Do you know, Often now, or in our, I'm in my mid-60s, Jill's actually still early 60s, very early, as early as you can get into your 60s. And uh, just thinking the other night, we were sat in the lounge, we weren't talking, we don't talk a great deal, you know, we're quite old now, but um, she was doing her jigsaw. I was just glad that she was there, just to have somebody else in the room, the fire was going, she's doing her jigsaw, I'm sort of musing, sat on a rocking chair. I say, it's lovely having your company. Now, to be a single person is not easy. To have those times when there's no company there. God said in the beginning, it's not good for the man to be alone. Now, the answer to mankind's loneliness is not, not marriage primarily. It includes marriage, but it's not simply marriage. Children aren't married but have lots of friends. Teens, you're not married. Maybe you're thinking about getting married. Maybe you've got your eyes on somebody. You students, you're not, uh, some are. Most of you are, are not. But you're not lonely, are you? You've got lots of friends. You see, in, in the teens and early 20s, there's a, a great deal of, uh, it's not good for a man to be alone. No, and, and you're not. And there's lots of friends. You're around each other's houses and there's good uh, companionship there. But the older you get in that state of singleness, you're finding increasingly that many of your peers are getting married. And you can no longer just pop around their house. They're not popping around your house. You're not out for a pizza anymore or a McDonald's or whatever it might be. Many of them are marrying. You reach your 30s and mid-30s and suddenly it's not the same anymore. Interesting little uh, passage here from Sam Albury. Um, he talks about his friends disappearing. But the moment someone enters a serious relationship, all other friendships can be significantly demoted. 
I think of one guy who was a great friend of mine during my early 20s. We got together multiple times a week. Then he started dating, quickly got married, then just disappeared. I, I never saw him. It was like Frodo in Lord of the Rings. The moment he put on the ring, he vanished. Well, you know, it, it can be like that. Singleness, children, teens, early 20s. That's just fine. Lots of friends. But once you're getting into your 30s and 40s, perhaps the difficulties begin to happen. And people get married and those friendships then changed. And so I'd, I'd make an appeal to myself and to those who are married here. We have that gift of, of, of marriage. And those of you who are engaged here, don't be exclusive. Don't be like the world in that. Don't be exclusive. Do, do seek to be inclusive. Do seek to be inclusive. I'm going to end on a positive in a moment, but uh, just that little principle there. Do seek to be inclusive. Include others. Think of others. Uh, other married uh, families, other single folks. We are a family of God together here. Again, for the person who is single, there isn't that obvious person maybe. Here we have this lovely passage from Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good report, reward for their labour. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, and he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? The one may be overpowered by another. Two can easily withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." Just to have that companionship. Someone to be honest with. Someone to be honest with with you. I mean, you know, I can come down on some Sunday mornings and uh, uh, say, well, uh, I'm ready now. You're not going looking like that, she'll say. I look okay. No, you don't. That doesn't match that. Off you go, back upstairs. Your hair is a mess. And uh, I Look in the mirror. Yeah, she's, she's quite. Have you washed yourself? This, have you washed your face? This, look at that smudge on your nose there. But someone to be honest with you. And when it comes to my wife's case, here I am, a, a married preacher. My biggest helpers, my biggest critic as well. Well, you made a mess there, didn't you, this morning? And uh, what did I say? You should never have said that. It's helpful having Jill there at certain points in the sermon. You'll notice she's doing this. And uh, it's a signal. Now, a wife can do that. A wife can, can do that. But, um, yeah, not to have that companion, that loneliness that comes. Someone to laugh with. Someone to laugh at. Someone just to be there. So there are advantages in being single. There are also disadvantages. What is the answer? Well, for us all, marrieds or singles... None of us are alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a local church ought to be a vibrant family. Vibrant family. And it's good at times to see uh, certainly engaged couples not always sitting together. I'm not pointing anybody out, but to have that sense of we, we can still 
mix. I think for a married couple, yes, it's good that you do uh, sit together, but looking to be inclusive. We're never alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is my status? My ultimate status is this. I'm not identified by being married. And neither are you identified by being single if you're single. You can go on Facebook and it asks for your status. And apparently there are 72 different stati you can give when it comes to, uh, it used to be just married or single. Now there's a multiplicity. According to BBC now, there are 100 different states that a person can, can be in. Well, there's only one status for the Christian. And my status on Facebook is quite simple. In Christ, in Christ, he's my elder brother. He's taken me to his father. And I have indwelling in me God the Holy Spirit. And blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. And this ought to be a vibrant family. And nobody ought to feel lonely. And we ought to be using our homes and we ought to be in contact, and we ought to be looking out for one another. And uh, we don't take in singles as a married family out of any pity. God forbid. God forbid. No, nothing to do with that. We all have our gift. We all have our calling. We all need the grace of God. We're all one together in Christ. And if you don't have children of your own, what a blessing. Right, there is a blessing, certain blessing. But you can have children within the church. Well, all these lovely kids who run around, are they a hindrance to you? Are they, are they an annoyance? You know, to, to me. How wonderful to see children here tonight. Great to see lords here in the morning. Great to see them outside on the pavement in the morning and a little wave and a, and a hello and getting to know them better and better. Do you know, in St. Melons, I knew the name of every child in the church. Lots of kiddies in the church and I could go through all, all their names and uh, very, very precious. But we're a family together. We all have children. We're all responsible for one another. Married or single, our status is in Christ. We are one family together. Let me conclude with these wonderful words uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ just to emphasize that point and then we'll uh, look to close with a final uh, hymn because time has... Uh, as March rapidly on. Mark chapter 3 and verse 31. Then his, that's Jesus' brothers, and his mother came, and standing outside they sent to him, calling him, and the multitude was sitting around him. And they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those about, about him and said, Here are my mother, here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my mother and my brother and my sister. And that's us here. We have ties that are far greater than human ties. And they ought to be recognized and strengthened and uh, single or married. We are one in Christ and our status is we are in Christ. There's much more that could be said. Do uh, read the book. You'll find it helpful whether you're single or married. As a married man, I found this book so helpful and it put me to shame in some areas of my conduct and, and thinking. So do read things like this. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this 
all too brief time again in your word in this important area. Help us to see whatever status we're in. It's a gift from yourself. Help us to use it, not alone, but by the grace that you give to us. But may we here at Heath Evangelical Church be increasingly expressing and exhibiting our oneness together in the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters together, that nobody here would feel alone or on the outskirts of the fellowship, but we are all drawn near to God together. To Him be all the praise and glory. Amen. Well, let's conclude with a final hymn. And then don't forget the, uh, the question uh, panel. I think the choir will practice for about 10 minutes. If you're in that choir, hot-foot it into the back hall and... Uh, I think oh, Matt's gone already to, uh, to prepare for you, but do your practice and then we'll assemble the, the little question panel. What have I chosen for the last hymn? All right, yeah. Timothy Dudley Smith, Lord for the, the years. Let's stand and sing together.